Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles, open them to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13 in a Bible study that I've entitled, Remember, Obey, and Greet Your Spiritual Leaders. Remember, Obey, and Greet. We're going to look at a few different verses in chapter 13. We're going to put them together. First, in verse 7. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow considering the outcome of their conduct. Verse 17, obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. And then again in verse 24, greet all those who rule over you and all the saints, those from Italy, greet you. And as we come to the end of the book of Hebrews, we're in that section where there are these short exhortations and encouragements given to men and women that are struggling under great warfare, considering leaving the new covenant, going back to Judaism, and they're wrestling. So what does Paul do when he takes his pen in hand? He reminds them of the superiority of Jesus. He reminds them of the sufficiency of Jesus. He exhorts them not to go backwards. Legalism, religious formalism, rules, regulations will not help you grow. That's what he says to them. That's what he says to us. Legalism, rules, regulations will not help you grow in your new covenant relationship with Jesus. It's not all the rituals and ceremonies or holy days or sacrifices that save you, but God through the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world is how you are saved by faith. It's by grace through faith that you and I are saved. And now he says, you need to protect your relationship with the leaders that God has given you. That's important during difficult times. Guard the relationship that God has given to you with leaders he's put in your life. And we see that in verse 7. He says, remember those who rule over you. Or you also might have a little note that says lead you. And then when you jump to verse 17, he says, obey those who rule over you. Once again, the same word, lead. And then he says, again, the same word in verse 24, greet those who rule over you and lead. And there are those that God has placed in our lives to rule over us spiritually, to lead us in our relationship. You can mark that word rule and you could write to go before or to go on first or to lead. There are those that God has placed in our lives to lead us and oversee us. And a couple of things, if you're taking notes, that's important to understand as we begin on this journey, on our relationship with the leaders in our lives, a couple of things you need to understand. Number one, God chooses the leaders that he's put in your life. God chooses the spiritual leaders that he has put in your life. And I know that doesn't seem to fit 
our current culture and our current thinking today of all the different churches in town and all the choices that are before us, where you can visit this church and you can choose this church and you like this about that church and you can now, again, you, with all the technology, you can say that someone is on, on the radio as your pastor. You can say someone on YouTube is your pastor, but that's not God's heart and will for you. Anyone that might teach you the Bible, you know, through electronics, through YouTube, is a teacher perhaps in your life, but God has a pastor and a leader that you're to submit to and I'm submit to in my life, to be a part of a community of, a local community of believers, not to go to this church and that church and this church and that church, and, but to stay in a fellowship family and to stay under the leadership, submitting to them and living out your life, raising your family within a community of believers. God is the one that chooses the leaders. I know that we think we do, and certainly God gives us a lot of freedom in what to do, where to go, what to do, but God chooses the leaders. And we would do well to submit to his choice. Because here's the thing, God knows the men that need to be in your life, the, the women overseers that need to be in your life, he knows who you need that will shape you and mold you and make you into the man and woman that he wants you to be. He knows what you need. You and I, we think we know what we need, but God knows. And so the pastors in your life that speak the truth are there by the will of God. And his desire must be, for the pastor leader, for you and your family, knowing that he's going to answer to God. I will answer to God for my leadership in this particular church. And that's a heavy thing to consider. James said, be careful those of you that want to be teachers because those that want to be teachers receive a stricter, heavier, higher level of judgment than others in the body of Christ. Number one, God chooses the leaders he's put in your life. Number two, when you read the word ruling, ruling does not imply or require blind submission. This idea of ruling over you does not imply or require blind submission. Let's be clear here. The idea of ruling over you is not an absolute authority in your life. I as a pastor do not have absolute authority in your life. I am an under shepherd. The absolute authority in your life is Jesus Christ in his word. And the best thing that I can do for you is to help you see the word of God as it applies in your life and then call you to submission to it and call you to obedience alongside of it. That, that's the best thing a pastor can do in your life, a leader. No one has that absolute authority in your life. A, a spiritual leader just, he can't tell you how to live your life. He, he can't tell you who you can marry and who you can't, how you can dress. That's not leadership. That's not leadership. Jesus is the chief shepherd, and no one takes his place. So we as spiritual leaders, as under shepherds, we serve you with delegated authority. Delegated authority. So it's not our own authority. And perhaps some of you have a testimony, unfortunately, of being in a church. Uh, many years ago, there was a movement known as the shepherding movement. It's still around to some degree where they had a very strict order of authority and that you couldn't do anything without getting the permission of your disciple and they got a permission and God got a permission and they got permission. That, that's not leadership. That's not the heart of Jesus at all. Jesus creates an environment of mutual cooperation. 
mutual submission as we're learning in our midweek Bible studies. You want to look in your leaders and those that serve you in the pastoral realm, those that serve you in a lay leadership position, in the position of an elder or a deacon, you want to look for the heart of Jesus in those leaders. They aren't going to be perfect. Nobody's going to make every decision accurate or right. There will be mistakes, even in your pastors. I will make mistakes. I will get things wrong. But collectively in a relationship, in a relationship, we work those things out as unto the Lord. And you want to look for the heart of Jesus in those leaders, especially those who claim to be leaders, because in the church there are God's ordained leaders and there are people that claim to be leaders. And they take that authority upon themselves. No one can take the authority of spiritual leader upon himself or herself. No one. Now, now let me say, people try to do that. People walk around, they might want to get a little group over here and drive some leadership and try to draw people after themselves, but that's not from the Lord. Anyone that's drawing you after themselves, any of you that is encouraging you to be divisive, any of you that is saying, oh, no, 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 I know what they say, but I'm, anyone that's going in that realm is not going to be a healthy decision for you to follow. And if you don't believe me, you'll end up making that decision and you'll get hurt. And then perhaps the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance this time and saying, look, God's put people in your life for a reason. Because there are sheep in the church, but there are also wolves in sheep's clothing. And there's a few wolves that are just outright wolves. They don't care. They'll come in with their big fangs and they, you know, they'll come in and they don't, they don't even pretend because they want to do great damage to the body of Christ. Jot it down in Mark chapter 9, verse 34. Let me read it to you. This is the heart of Jesus. If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. And then he took a child and set them in the midst and he had taken them in his arms and said, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Matthew chapter 20, verse 24. And when the 10 heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And those who are great exercise authority over them. So he's making a distinction here. He's saying, you know how the world is. Many of you work in the corporate world. Many of you work with bosses like this. They just love authority. And they love to hang authority over you. They don't want to motivate you. They don't want to lead you. They don't want to work alongside of you. They just want to tell you what to do. He says, that's how the world does things. The world does things by, by flaunting authority. By, by absolute authority. He says, that's how the world does it. And listen to what Jesus says. This is Matthew 20, um, reading on from 24, 25, 26, 27, 28. Listen. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. There's a phrase that we use of those in the church that try to control your life. Those are not true leaders. The phrase is this, they want to lord over your life. Don't allow anyone to lord over your life. Don't ever look to me and expect me to lord over your life. I can't tell you how many times there'll be those that want me to make the decision for them. I won't make the decision for you, but I'll talk it out with you. I'll pray it out with you. 
I'll open the scriptures. I might even say, if I was in your shoes, this is how I would apply that. But I won't lord over you to say, this is how you do it. This is how a real Christian does it. Because God is doing a different work in all of our lives. And I'll steer you away from sin for sure. I mean, when the Bible is black and white, we'll, we'll deal with it that way. Steer you away, but I will point you, and any real pastor and leader will point you to the Lord. They won't guilt trip you. They won't manipulate you. They won't lead you into a toxic relationship. They won't gaslight you. There's a lot of different things that men do in a position of authority that's not to be said among leaders in the church. And somebody listening to me right now, I'm describing your life, and you don't like it, you don't want to hear it, I'm just calling you to repent, because that is not the heart of God. Jesus didn't give that example, he didn't teach the disciples that example, and it hasn't been handed down to us now 2,000 years later. You want to be great in God's kingdom? Because I think that's all of us. Of course I want to be great. I want all that God has for me, then Jesus says, be the servant of all. Be the servant of all. God has ordained pastors and spiritual leaders to lead you and to oversee you and to serve you and to rule over us in a way that helps us grow in grace and be conformed to the image of Christ. Often a spiritual leader has to say something or do something that's difficult to hear or respond to. That's a hard place for a leader. That's why many people shy away from leadership because many times it's my responsibility to say something very, very hard to you. Very, very difficult. As one author put it, that a leader's responsibility often is to define reality for a person. Is to paint the picture of what it is in reality so that in reality, it will shake you to the place where you seek the Lord and he gives you the leading and comfort that you desire or direction that you desire. So you don't lean on your own understanding. You will listen to those that God has placed in your life. Reality defined can often be very difficult and very challenging. And so there are three things mentioned here in chapter 13 that are responsibility to our leaders in our lives. There are three things we have a responsibility as fellow Christians, as believers, toward the leaders in our lives. And here's number one. It's in verse seven. Our spiritual leaders are to be remembered Our spiritual leaders are to be remembered. He says, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, and that just covers all that we spoke about. A man that has faith following, his faith follows his leadership. He will not be authoritarian. He will not lord over you. Sometimes you might mistake that with hard, you know, maybe a leader said something hard and you feel like, oh, he's lording over me. Well, just check the scriptures. If whatever the Bible says, you should yield to it. Um, But there is a group of people, and I'm sure if I had, and I don't want you to, but if I asked for you a showing of hands of anyone that's had a leader lord over them, there would be many in this room because you know what that looks like and what that feels like, and it's just wrong. We're to remember those. We're to remember our pastors. We're to remember our leaders. We're to remember our Sunday school teachers. We're to remember our life group leaders. We're to remember those that have been put in our lives to teach us the word. Why? Because they've been used by God for good in your life. And you can thank God for them. One of the ways you remember them is you pray for them. You can remember them before the throne room of grace. And you thank God, even in and especially when you have to receive a hard word. It's like, I thank God that that, that my pastor said this. I thank God that my pastor, and you remember them before the Lord. 
I think of when I was putting this together, and I've been in communication with Pastor Rudy this week, but I served many, many years in California with a man by the name of Pastor Rudy. He was the Sunday school or the children's ministry pastor. I served with him, and he spent the most amount of time pouring into my life. And I've been texting him this week. Even today, I said, you know what, Pastor Rudy? Your name's going to come up in the Bible study this weekend because I love this text. I always remember you and Pastor Jeff. Others are remembered as well, but those are the first two men that God placed in my life to speak the word of God to a young man that knew nothing about following God. Nothing. I knew nothing. I knew less than nothing. If there was a negative nothing, like they sometimes the weather app shows, neg- I don't know the difference between zero and negative zero, but I was negative zero. I, I was below nothing. I-, I was far away in my life. And the, every day I was living apart from Christ, I was getting farther and farther away. So from the pulpit, Pastor Jeff gave me the word, and then side by side serving with him, Pastor Rudy would then disciple me and help me along the way and have quite a few of those quote-unquote defining reality conversations with me. I needed them because I wanted them. Now, maybe it rubbed against my flesh. I didn't really like them at the moment, but I really, to this day, still want to be a better man of God. I want to do it better, and I want to do it in a way that is more conducive to the heart of Jesus. If there's an area in my flesh that needs to go away, I want to get rid of it in my life, and I'm thankful for them. Because in the busyness of life, in the busyness of life, we have a tendency to forget our spiritual leaders. We forget them. How? Well, we forget to encourage them. We forget to strengthen them. We forget to pray for them. We forget to support them. We forget to serve with them. You know, when, in those times, not when you're sick, not when it's dangerous, but in those times when you're just kind of tired and, you know, you made a service commitment and now you have the choice, maybe I'll call out because I'm kind of tired, maybe I can sleep. When you call out like that, not, not when you're sick, not, not when it's dangerous to drive and you want to be saved. I'm not talking about those real reasons, but like when you have the option and you can make the decision and when you call out, so let's just say you call out like you call out at work, you call out. Your spiritual leader still has to accomplish what you said you were going to do. Like the ministry goes on. Uh, like Sunday school teacher, if, like if you call out for Sunday school, you call out the resurrection coffee, you call out like, like serving out there, um, greeting people and encouraging one another, helping people, like the stuff still needs to get done. And so we forget that we made a commitment. And that happens. We forget that we made a commitment. And we want to remember that not only is the commitment unto the Lord, but that commitment is also to the spiritual leader that God put in our lives. And we want to remember that. We don't want to forget. Contextually in chapter chapter 13, this could also speak to remembering those leaders that have come before us, that those that have died, those that have been martyred or even taken out by the enemy, as I think of here, you know, the years of ministry I have and seeing some of the guys that have fallen away over the years within our little Calvary Chapel family, it's who I'm associated with. And, and I don't want to forget to pray for them. Marriages destroyed, kids going sideways. You know, yeah, uh, I think of one brother in particular that's been on my heart for the last couple weeks. Uh, and I think of him like, yeah, yeah, he, he did commit adultery. Yeah, he failed miserably. Yeah, he hurt a lot of people in his church. 
but I still want to remember him. I want to bring him before the Lord. I want God to restore what the enemies try to steal from him. It's not an approval of sin, and it's not, but I want to remember him because even before he fell, God used his teaching in a big way in my life. He was on Grace FM for a while, and God used him. I don't want to forget him because he's not prominent anymore. He's not serving the Lord anymore. I also think there's a direct reference to the leaders who helped the Jewish Christians come to faith. They did so at much personal peril. So don't forget them. Remember them. Remember their testimony. Remember their faith. Remember their true teachings. Don't forget their influence on your life. Number two, number two. Our spiritual leaders, according to verse 17, our spiritual leaders are to be obeyed. We're to obey our spiritual leaders. When their teachings match the Bible, whether you agree with them or not, they're to be obeyed. (laughs) Another way of thinking this is that we're to follow the leader. We're to follow the leader. We're to consider the behavior and follow them in Christ. Jot it down, Philippians chapter three, verse 17. It says, brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us a pattern For many walk of whom I've told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. So there are examples to follow and there are examples to avoid. Mark them, he says. Mark them. There are those that are not behaving according to Christ-likeness. You and I are not to participate in that. We're not to get involved in that. And we are definitely not to follow them in that. But when, the, when a spiritual leader gives you direction that matches the scriptures, we're to obey them. That's our obligation. And Jesus has provided for us so many examples Throughout the Bible, portraits of men and women who have gone before us. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me. And even to some of you that are seeking like, to serve in greater capacities and you want to be used of God, you may even feel the burden of spiritual leadership upon your shoulders that God is leading. So then listen, be the example that someone will follow. Be the example. Make the, make the conscious decisions to be a good example because I'll tell you this, you are an example already. The only thing to be determined is whether you're a good example or a bad example. But your life is an example. And it's important that we pay attention to that. Why? Because the Bible tells us that man looks on the outward, but God looks at the heart. And that's such a comforting verse. You know, oh, yeah, God always, God knows my heart. God knows, I don't know your heart. All I see is you on the outside. I don't know your heart. But I do know this. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And your life will then reflect what's on the inside over time. It may not come out immediately, but over time, truth always wins. You know that. Over time, truth always wins. Truth doesn't get tired. Truth doesn't hide. Truth doesn't run away. Truth is truth whether you believe it or not. And over time, the Bible says, Jesus says, don't worry, man, over time, Things will be shouted, all the things of your life, all the hidden things of your life, all the hidden things that you don't know right now will be shouted from the rooftops. Be patient and live a life reflective of the example of Christ and the men that God has placed in your life. Paul says, join me and follow my example. You want to follow a man like that? You want to follow a pastor like that? 
You want to follow a man, a pastor that says, join me in following my example. You forget the past and you look forward, pressing onward and upward. Take no confidence in your flesh. Walk humbly with your God and note those who walk the same way. Surround yourself with men and women who love Jesus supremely and provide an example to follow. Why? Because many walk as enemies of the cross. Many walk as enemies of the cross, Paul says in Philippians. You want to surround yourself with men and women of faith. You don't want to find yourself in a group of people griping, complaining, moaning about your church or about leadership in your church. The Bible says you're to obey the leaders. You don't want to be surrounded with people that don't want to obey leadership. Again, by way of review, I'm not speaking of blind loyalty or following. I'm not speaking of approval of sin at all. Never in, any, in a million years does God ever, for all eternity, tell us to approve of sin or follow a bad example. However, I've been around long enough to know that when little groups start to get around and they start complaining and, oh, you know, Pastor Ed or, you know, Pastor so-and-so, and they start, evil corrupt company corrupts good habits. Here's how you handle something like that. How you handle that is, number one, you mark them. You just make a little mark in the back of your mind. Hmm. A murmur and a complainer. Now, whether that's the, the lifestyle they have or not, we don't know yet, but we'll just mark that. And number two, not only do you mark them, but number two, you tell them to handle their complaint biblically. You go, Ed, well, how do you do that? The Bible says that if your brother's offended you, sinned against you, go to him, you and him alone, and if he hears the matter, you have what? Won your brother. See, the Bible doesn't give us permission to complain about things. The Bible gives us the admonitions. The Bible says do all things without murmuring and complaining. Anyone want to amen that? Amen. Yeah, okay, we all marked it. We all know now you said amen. No, the Bible never gives us permission to murmur and complain. But rather, God does give us permission to reconcile, to forgive, and to work things out. And you'd be amazed what God can do with a church that's filled with unity and joy. You just got to watch out because, man, you'd be going along, running the race, and then someone comes up and starts to draw you away from your sweet relationship with Jesus. And that's always disastrous. It always ends with less fruit from your life and more flesh in my life, always. There are false teachers and they're all false leaders and they're, they're false in every way. Like Paul said, they're enemies of the cross. Don't follow them. Don't mimic them. Don't imitate them. They're headed in the wrong direction of the cross of Christ. There will be people that float through this church as well that are headed in the wrong direction. Now, they are welcome to repent and they're welcome to hear the word of God and get right with the Lord, but they're not welcome to hurt you. They're not welcome. That's why God's put shepherds, under shepherds in the church to help us and protect us. They're not there. We don't allow people to be taken advantage of in our church. We don't allow, if you come and you, we've, we determine, like it's very obvious, you're an enemy of the cross, then we're gonna call you to repentance at the cross. And if you don't wanna repent, then the Bible says that we're to confront you. And if you don't listen, we're to take a couple witnesses. You don't listen to us, we'll take it to the church leadership. If you don't listen to all of them, then we ask you to leave. Says you can't fellowship here. 
Now, sometimes a real strong word is used to describe that. You are excommunicated. Let me give you a stronger word than that. The Bible says when the church in Corinth had this issue, Paul said, deliver them over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. How about that? You don't like excommunication? Okay, we'll change the word. We'll deliver you over to Satan so that your flesh will be destroyed. You can't hide in the church. And one way that we find ourselves in a safe place is when we obey our leaders, when we submit to them. Obedience is lived out through submission. Your leaders need your submission. There's no question that in our service we serve Jesus. He's our shepherd. He's our pastor. He's our leader. I know that over the years some people have used that truth to justify their lack of submission and leadership because they've been taken advantage of and hurt, and I'm sorry for that. But you can't just come to the conclusion where, you know, I don't agree with that decision. I serve God and not you. That's not possible to serve God and not serve the leader that God's put in your life. That's not possible. You can't divide those two. Wherever there is godly leadership, listen, wherever there is godly leadership, that is to be matched by our godly submission. Wherever there's godly leadership, it's to be matched by our godly submission. And where there's ungodly leadership, then we're to follow through with what the Bible has to say all the way to perhaps the leaders of that, the elders of that church. And that leader needs to be brought to a place of repentance if what is said is true. And the Bible speaks to that as well. What happens when you get, and I get all independent, and I no longer, and I think of this in my own relationship with, with my pastor, if I chose to do my own thing, that's just going to cause confusion, it's going to cause division, and it's going to cause chaos in a church. And when confusion, division, and chaos is in a church, the devil, as one person said, loves to fish in troubled waters, loves to destroy lives. The Bible teaches us that God has ordained spiritual leadership in his church, there's a clear chain of command in the ministry. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, it says, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor. So it is presupposed that most spiritual leaders are going to rule well. They're going to lead well. They're going to serve well. There's going to be an atmosphere of love and of grace and of mercy. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, it says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. And you also be submissive to one another. Be clothed with humility because God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. And it's important not to lose sight that in our service, we are co-laboring together for the work of the kingdom. Yes, I have a position of leadership in this church, but I was a believer first and foremost. I'm a fellow believer on the same journey as you are. And if another way of thinking about this text is that we're all under authority. All of us are. And when we speak of authority, we have to remember that God desires our submission to authority. Now, I know that some of you have feelings on this subject because in previous authority structures, you've witnessed and experienced. It's been horrible. There's been abuse. There's been pain. Listen, where there is abuse and pain, submission to God always takes precedent. You are no, under no obligation to submit to abuse, especially in the body of Christ. In no obligation whatsoever. 
But as I mentioned, where there is godly leadership, that's to be met with godly submission. That's so important, church. When there's godly leadership, there's also to be godly submission. Otherwise, there'll be disorder, confusion, and chaos. Now, thirdly, in verse 24, we've already learned where to remember our leaders, where to obey them. And now in verse 24, I should say, in Hebrews 13, we're to greet them. He says, greet all those who rule over you and all the saints and those from Italy greet you. This is a simple reminder, I believe, to seek out to encourage and strengthen your leaders. Today, we might put it this way. Hey, don't forget, text your leaders. Don't forget, write them a note. Don't forget, get them a gift card. Let your love for your leaders be practical. Say hello to them. Pray for them. When you see them, ask them how they're doing. Tell them that you're praying for them. With technology, this is so much easier these days to use technology and the ability to really encourage those in our lives. Like, like I had mentioned this week, I, I must have texted Pastor Rudy four times this week, which is unusual. It's usually once every few weeks the Lord will put him on my heart, but four times. And who knows, maybe one day I'll, have, I'll be able to talk to him and he'll say, well, this week, this is what was happening. This was, but I, I've just learned over the years to obey the prompting that God gives me to encourage and to strengthen, especially with those that are pastors, assistant pastors, their wives. Uh, I really want to be an encouragement, even more so as we see the day approaching because perilous times have come upon us. And it is harder than ever before to serve as a leader in God's church. Uh, It is more challenging than ever before. And it is not, again, something that we want to take for granted. The men the pastors that God has put in our life, the the women leaders that God has put in our life, we don't want to forget them. We want to remember them. We want to obey them. And we want to talk to them. We want to say hello to them. We want to greet them. Don't forget. Remember, obey, and greet. Why? Because spiritual leaders are God's gift to you and your family. God has given you a pastor and a pastor's family. And in our case, speaking for this church, there are 13 of us that God has given to you and their families and their kids. The Bible says in Ephesians that God has given the church pastors and teachers. That's not even, that's just uh, uh, in a technical sense, those that are on staff here. There are dozens upon dozens of lay leaders, men and women, that serve selflessly in this church. They are God's gift to you. They are God's gift to me. God has ordained them to be in my life, to help me, to lead me, to speak the truth to me. And the spiritual leaders and the pastors and teachers and those that serve here, both those that take a salary from here, but also those that work a full-time job and serve their hearts out here in the life of this church, they do so at much great personal sacrifice. Now, what that means is they're not asking for anything from you. I'm not asking, if I'm up all night, 24 hours, I'm not asking anything from you because my service is unto the Lord. This is what he's called me to do. I like to say, this is what I've been put on the planet for. This is why I was born. This is why I was born again. So it's not like those that might want to take advantage of you. You know, again, if a leader goes, well, you know, I've done this for you. What are you going to do for me? That's a bad leader. So it's not that I'm, I'm pleading with you right now. They go, oh man, you got to know what kind of, I just want you to know. They're not asking, we're not asking for anything from you. The Bible says that my greatest position in life will be to serve you and to serve well and to grow in my ministry and to grow in what God wants me to do. 
but they do so, you need to know, and it's good to be reminded that the pastors and the wives and the children and the lay leaders and even those that are serving and just stepping into ministry do so at great sacrifice as unto the Lord. But you know what happens when we serve with people with great sacrifice? You know what happens? We get to benefit from the fruit of their lives. We get to take the fruit, not rotten fruit, but nice, juicy, luscious fruit, and we get to enjoy the fruit of the Spirit by selfless, sacrificial pastors, leaders, deacons, deaconesses, and you have a church filled with them, and God's continuing to do that among us. So we're to remember, and we're to obey, and we're to greet, and not forget those that God has put in our lives because they're his gifts to us. They're his gifts. It's how we grow in grace. And I thank God, and I ask you to join me, to thank God for the leaders he's placed in my life. I'm grateful for them. And I'm grateful that they have been encouraging to me. I'm grateful that they have been exhortive to me. I'm grateful that they've said the easy things, and I'm grateful they've said the hard things, because I know I wouldn't be the man I am today or whatever God may have for me in the future without the leaders and the pastors that he's placed in my life. Can you agree with that in your life? I pray that you can, over time, agree as you see looking back. You might even look back at a very difficult season, and it might be that it's a difficult season, and it also might be associated with a pastor here or there. And I pray that one day you'll be able to look back with that situation and go, wow, Even if it was the worst of the worst, God still taught me something through that particular situation. And I'm a better man or I'm a better woman because of God allowing things into my life. And I'm submitted to him because that's where it starts. I'm submitted to him. I'm learning to follow him. And when you know the shepherd's voice, when you know the shepherd's voice, you'll be able to tell when an under shepherd sounds like Jesus. (laughs) Sounds like the word of God. (laughs) And one of the first things you should look for in your leaders, that they have the word of God and that they use it. All of it. The easy parts and the hard parts. But that they would be men of integrity, men of the truth, and men of God's word. Amen? Amen. So Father, thank you for the privilege of uh, being able to share this. And even as I thank God, I remember and obey my pastor Jeff and Rudy in my life. Lord, thank you for them. You put them, you put me in that church. You put me under their authority. And even here with the elders here, you have chosen them for this church. And I thank you for that. I thank you, God, for the pastoral teams here, both those that have been here and have moved on and all the countless years of ministry they've had here and their wives and their kids um, uh, and those that are here now. And even those that will come and more leaders that you're raising up. I know that you have a particular purpose and role for this church family, and we trust you as you lead us and guide us. And help us, God, help us to be the men and women that promote unity and like-mindedness. Help us to be those that, not murmuring and complaining, Lord, but rather men and women of solutions and service and sacrifice. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. 
for prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.